0: Hello and welcome to Megacity Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. This is a bonus episode for the Comic Scene I Love Comics uh, event on Facebook. And my guest for this special episode is an author, a freelance journalist, and most importantly to us at the moment, the writer of the 2000 Encyclopedia. It's a very warm book club welcome to Scott Montgomery. Good morning, Scott.
1: Morning, Eamon. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated.
0: Well, it's great for you to be here. Um, Now, we start with 2000 AD origin stories. Can you tell us about your first experiences reading comics and then getting into the prog? Yeah, um, when I was age about probably five, six or something like
1: that, there was always comics in the house I've got two older brothers. So there tended to be things like uh, Dino, Dandy, one that highlights Buddy, Nutty, things like that. And also things like Commando and Warlord. So those comics were always kind of in-house, the house, whether you buy them for, take going on holiday, things like that. But eventually, I think it was, it was September 1981, and Prog 231 was the one that I started with. Just must have caught my eye somehow um, in the newsagent. And basically, after I bought that, I was just hooked on A D and pretty much the other comic didn't seem to matter so much, and I was just um, hooked on A D from then on for a very, very long time after that
0: for many years. Excellent. And you still, you've stuck with the prog for quite a while, I think?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, a good few years. Um, so I had a massive sort of collection of them. And uh, I think I was aged about 25 when I sort of was like um, quite late, like leaving the house, if you like. And I thought I just um, wanted to get my own flat or something like that. I just um, love the space for all these um, brilliant comics. I ended up selling them off, which I did come to regret especially as i said um, or as i wondered you know it's like who would have known if they needed them 25 years later but um that's, that's is not it so um yeah most of throughout the years I, i've definitely kept up with 2018 and the magazine uh it's very few times that i've kind of um, drifted from it um so i've always kind of um opted to speed on you know what had been happening within issues um, over the years
0: so let's turn to today's book, which is, is of course, the 2000 AD Encyclopedia, uh, due out in hardback on the February the 16th, which is next week, to coincide with 2000 AD's 45th anniversary, of course, um, covering the entire gamut of 2000 AD and magazine stories and characters with a wonderful wraparound cover by Stuart K. Moore, which we'll talk about later, and also with an introduction by Tharg himself, um, Matt Smith. And I'm interested in how the project came about and how you came to be started uh, writing for 2000 AD, because that goes back a bit to before this project, I think, Scott. Uh, that's right,
1: yeah. Around about the year 1992, I went to a comic convention in Glasgow and saw people like uh, Alan Grant and um, giving insight into how they got started and so on. And, and I wanted to write. Um, before that, I'd been like a, a musician in a band and always just... um. Music was what I'd been interested in, but then I drifted towards trying to write. And um, that gave me some insight in how he went about it and so on. And one of the things he said that he did was like um, he compiled puzzles for magazines and so on in his early days of his career. And so I thought, well, it's enough for him. Why don't I try that? And um, I got some puzzles published in um Who magazine by Marvel U UK at the time. So, and from there, I started to write articles and books. And, uh, all in my spare time while I worked in offices and so on and um, I'd pitched an idea to Steve McManus at 2008 at the time of the Stone Red film uh, about doing an article on the soundtrack and uh, so I wrote the article but just um, it was delayed and getting, getting printed and so on so it never actually appeared Steve asked me if I wanted to do another article and then eventually so from that John Thomson asked me to write the history of Volt Trooper for the actress special that came out in 1996, so that was my kind of end with 2000 AD, and um, and from there, yeah, I would do the odd article for the various editors down the, down the line, you know, through the years. Did one for Alan Barnes on the magazine, then Matt Smith took over on the me- magazine, and Matt, actually, I actually think Alan had already commissioned the Red Files, which was a chronological story based to look at the every red story right from the start and David Bishop did that and uh, another former editor of course so in 2007 Matt had taken over the as well and he asked me to take over the Dreadfield he wanted to do it for a year, kind of a year run on it so he asked me to do that and uh, through the years I've done um, the odd thing there. so I think I was in Matt's mind when, the, when they must have got the idea of the encyclopedia so he basically uh, emailed me in March 2020 and asked if I would be interested in compiling the encyclopedia. So obviously I'm very keen and um, be honoured to be asked. But at the same time it was quite daunting in terms of the um, the, sky, the size and the scale of the project. I had a little bit of trepidation, but I thought, oh, this is too good. I can't turn this down. I'd be absolutely crazy to do that. So um, Just because of like, being scared of the scale of it. So I oh, thought, no, I have to do this. It's that kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity so, and luckily I was available to do it because it really did um, become a full-time job for a year and um, I was very lucky to be able to do it. You know, lockdown was a hard time. The first lockdown was obviously a very hard time for a lot of people but for me I was um, immersed in a project that I was um, uh, very lucky and grateful to. I had the time to do it. I was doing a part-time job so I'd been doing say a showtime job at the time, I probably wouldn't have had the time to do it in the space that it was needed for, because it was all very very deadlines in terms of the magazines that, you know, the run of the magazine issues that had to be in,
0: um, you know, it really had to hit some
1: deadlines there.
0: Because it's run as a sort of um, free floppies with the magazine over the last sort of year and a half or so, I think, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. So
0: it's almost like a kind of artwork. Yes.
1: So it had to be it had to be sort of done um, in a way that uh, the way I split up was I did it basically with five chunks, if you like, um, which was A to E and then, say, F to J, you know, something like or F to H, something like that. And then we split it into five, you know, chunks that I had to deliver every couple of months for it to be ready for publication. You know, I couldn't actually do it all in one massive volume like the way it, the way it appears now sort of
0: thing. And was it a case of literally starting up with the A's and just sort of working your way through? Was that how the project sort of developed?
1: Pretty much. To make it slightly easier on myself, as I said, the first section there was like the numbers ones. There's only a couple of those. Then A to E. So I knew that I could kind of do... Uh, the way I, I could work out. Work it out was to do like, say, um, I probably would choose all the kind of shorter stories first and get those written up. Um and then that gives you a bit more time for some of the say the bigger things where you, you've got more reading time that you have to devote to that. So that was how I did how I approach each kind of um section, if you like. Uh try and get the smaller things written up first so you feel you're you're you know, you're making you're generating a word count so that, that you get something done rather than saying, Oh well I've I've read, you know, I've read um flesh but I don't have any words written, you know, so that that doesn't seem to be a good way to do it. So I think I, I hit the right kind of balance there in terms of work days. Just then, But uh, as you say, pretty much we were working alphabetically. So there was no point in trying to write up. You know, when I did Ant Wars, there was no point in writing up Dan Kudo, the small sequel. I didn't need to have that ready for like a year, basically. So, um, yeah, it, was, it was, could be tricky in some respects. You had to kind of... Cross-reference things that you hadn't all, you hadn't written up, so I just had to make sure that it was on on the
0: ball as much. And I remember reading a book about the creation of the Oxford English Dictionary and how the project just grew and grew and grew, and got you know larger all the time with new words and new definitions coming in all the time. Was it like that? Were you sort of like constantly just reminding yourself of strips and characters that needed to be included?
1: Oh yeah, I suppose um, maybe I maybe should have mentioned earlier but in the in terms of the preparation for before I get started on you know, the nitty gritty of the manuscript and um, when Matt asked me to do it, I thought what I need to do is to, uh, get a template for entries. So I worked on a template which was the situation for the story itself um, and then the you know the um, sort of progs that ran in which were the kind of what we would say would be essential stories and so just find a template that we that Matt was happy with and then from that I did a couple of sample entries. Then when he signed those off, then I knew that I was ready to just like get straight in there and start the through everything I did. Um So yeah, there definitely was a, a case of um, there were new things coming out even during the project. So I, um, I was I quite like that. Actually. I quite like the sort of you know let's get this as absolutely as up to date as possible. Um, so by the time we'd come to the when I was doing the last section, the serialized version, um, I did an appendix which had was even say even by then since the space to the year there was about six or seven projects that were all new and had really should be included. So I put them in an appendix. So it was growing all the time. Yeah. Um and also when I, when um, when Matt pitched it and what I, what I did what I was able to use as a kind of um, architecture for it is like the the Barney online database is basically uh, alphabetical, alphabetical. So um, that was a good kind of framework on which to build it, and then we added in, say, Matt was looking for significant characters from various strips as well, so I just was able to try and use that as a basis and then insert characters as well, if they weren't already on Barney, which a lot of them were, so that was definitely um, a lifeline there that helped get the thing going um, maybe a lot
0: quicker than it might have done. And was it, I mean, you mentioned Barney as a resource. Was that something that you were able to consult a lot? Did Matt have to, you know, did he provide other resources for you to look at this stuff?
1: Uh, yes. Um, well, obviously, the, the biggest resources are the progs and the magazines themselves. Um, so I was able to get access to um, basically the, the online shop um, at 2018. Um, and so I could just um, download any issues that I needed or or graphic novels that I needed or anything that I didn't already have. Um, So there was pretty much, almost everything was there. I mean, there were some things that haven't been digitised and lockdown as well didn't help. We were unlucky in that, um, I think if it was was a non-lockdown time, I, I would have gone to Oxford and got into their archive and actually just looked at the things I couldn't get, but there were very few of them. And, um, so yeah, as long as it was available digitally and I had access to it, and then Matt could also provide various things that maybe he'd put into some of the, you know, the external kind of collections, you know, these sort of you know, the Just Mega things and you know the part works and stuff like that. As long as it was digitized, then I would be able to get access to it. Another great resource was uh, David Bishop's, Power Overload. Yes helps with the kind of um, the background, you know, more than like, you know the kind of um, supplemental stuff about who commissioned what and what you know, when it happens and all that kind of stuff. But so that was a nice resource that I definitely drew on there.
0: So I'm grateful that, that that was already existing. And as you were doing the project, were there stories from the history of 2000 AD and the magazine or characters, were there bits and pieces that sort of like stood out to you as like um, little hidden gems or stuff that you'd sort of forgotten about or we'd all maybe forgotten about that perhaps we should uh, bring back again?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, there's definitely, there's, again, there was so much of it. And then, don't know, obviously, I was kind of having to read out a lot of this as quickly as I could, you know, and... Um, but there's just some of the things I remember liking at the time, and you'd almost kind of forgotten about them, there's things like um, the, the more, some of the humorous stuff stood out you know, I, and I enjoyed you know, reading stuff like that, because it's quite good when it, it isn't all just sort of mayhem and blood and guts, you know um, so uh, things like Hooligan's haircut and um, sooner or later, you know, the sort of Pete, Pete Milligan type stuff um yeah, I enjoyed reading those again, and they were, again, they were quite short, so they were always sort of the things I would dive into. You know, because it was like, oh, I don't have you know 600 pages to read or something like that, which I do know, it's great to read 600 pages, but um, sometimes it's quite nice to have some sort things, just you know, you're moving ahead, and that was always the kind of the issue and so, like But I think, of, yeah, there's just so much of it that is great. Some of the magazine stuff I hadn't read, because I, mean, I didn't always read the magazine, but I did read 2080 kind of um, but there was, yeah, there was some good stuff some of the obscure magazine things that didn't really go anywhere probably did have some potential things like um, uh, Holocaust 12 you know um, but again it's such a, a you know there's just like the the Holocaust judges the guys who are basically on like suicide missions um, but when you think about it you think well this probably won't be a long running strip because basically everyone is probably going to die <laughs> you know um, so so stuff like that, yeah, I can see why maybe that didn't really go anywhere. But it was a cool idea at the time. And there was another one, Mildstrom, uh It was kind of space judges like before Insurrection, you know, Robbie Morrison and I think it was Colin McNeil did that. And then, yeah, that was um that was a good story that sort of um you felt could have run even more, you know, but then I think it's just a case. Creators maybe like um if they have lots of different projects probably tend to have to um, concentrate on the ones that are the real hits. So like so say, Robbie probably had to concentrate more on Nicolai Dante or whatever. Yeah, we don't quite know all these kind of things that go on in the scenes, but you can imagine that that may be the case. So there were lots of little gems, yeah. And I think what is good about the encyclopaedia is like um, when you look at the index or something like that or or the contents, you sort of that one again, you know, you think, what's, what's Angel and what's Angel Zero, what's, you know, what's the difference, and they're obviously very different, you know, so I think that will be a nice kind of, um, if you're a long-term fan, then there's probably even things that you may well have um forgotten about, and then find at least some kind
0: of mention of them here, just as a little sort of media memoir. Indeed, yes. I mean, do you think there'll be stories that the long term fans will sort of. Uh, I mean, is there one particular story that you think we should be rereading and giving another chance having done this massive project?
1: Yeah, I think in some respects, they maybe sort of, um, preempted that a little bit with some of the digital collections. I would say some of the the John Smith things like um, Revere and Firekind, now that they're, they're available digitally, then people can sort of quite easily. I come back to them, and um, I, they're definitely worth reading again. And time, um, I can, I, I probably was quite confused by say review and stuff like that, and maybe didn't appreciate it at the time, just for just how kind of um, different and so sort of groundbreaking that it was compared to maybe some other more established things. So yeah, I mean, as you say, what did stand out about this project is just like, that the sheer breadth and depth, of the of how different things became, you know, how the comic itself, I suppose, became adult and so on. But there's definitely, yeah, there's scope for things to be uh, rediscovered. I think the million have kind of tapped um, into that already. So hopefully they'll maybe bring out some things that, they, you know, lots of fans will have different ideas of what they would like to see again. So hopefully they might be able to cater um, for that a little, more, a little bit. More easily with the the digital side of things. Yeah, they've got um, they've just done a, a collection of uh, Sleez and Rider from the magazine. Yeah, and, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed reading that. Even though it's just, um, it's just it, it was of its time and it was good fun and it, it was. Um, yeah, you need things like that that has a little bit of humour and, and fun in it. When um, sometimes it's nice to kind of uh, balance that a little bit with some oddball humour as well
0: and you I mean you meant- yes it is a that's a fun one from Garth Ennis and Nick Percival, I think isn't it um and you mentioned John that's Smith's right. work, which has been uh, a lot of people rediscovering how great all of John Smith's various stories have been over the years uh creator is finally I think getting um the the attention he deserves, so that's an interesting one was there stuff that you had to leave out yes. Was there, you know, was there stories or characters that, as with this huge project, had to go to print that you, know, you wished you'd be able to expand on or put more in about?
1: Probably not, because I think we really kind of did go all out to,
0: to at least if I'm, uh,
1: even a very brief mention of just about everything. You know, um, So I don't think we really left anything out. I mean, I think probably tried to just avoid repetition more than anything else. Um, an example of that would be, um, magazine-wise, is Shimura, with um, Inspector Hanaba, uh, you know, has I don't want to say kick, but it's certainly, uh, you know, um, her own series, which is the City Justice. I thought, well, there's no real, need. I've had her down as, say, I had a, as a, the big list of candidates, and, and she would, like, her can to have her own entry, but then I thought, well, she's already mentioned Shimura and she's already has Hondo City Justice, so there's probably no need to have another, um, entry for her specifically. So just little things like that. I mean, I think um, that's just a matter of, you know, like editing rather than sort of, oh no, we can't, we don't have the space or that or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does, yes. Yeah, so I think pretty much we're trying to, I'm um, saying that a lot of the, almost every base is covered. You know, I mean, I'm kind of, maybe some diehard fans will say, oh, you forgot to put someone really obscure from. <laughs> know what, uh the V C is in there or something like that. But I don't think so. I certainly tried my best to sort of um cover all bases, however briefly it may be. There there were some stories that um I could only read the briefest of pages of it just through like say net searches and so on because I as I say it couldn't get to actually archive material. Things like say things that had been digitized that probably were quite minor. You know, things like if you remember Cola commandos or dry run, those kind of things, you know, yeah. small series that didn't really go anywhere, so um, Matt wasn't too bothered. I think, you know, his kind of, like, a buzzword was always, a, was like, in you know, big hitters, you know, the, the big hitters have to be really comprehensively covered, and um, and the support that come from those, and um, so I think... So, yeah, I, I, as I said, I'm quite, I quite like try to have at least a mention of the the obscure thing, so we can see that they're and we're, we're pretty comprehensive.
0: And the you know each entry comes with some key progs or key story runs uh, for that particular character or story, um, which I guess is something that you've picked out as you went along, is it?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I uh, certainly um, that, those could be a, a mixture of say stories that I remember if it's from the kind of the, the era that um. You no, know, I knew very well the uh, eighties through nineties and so on. Um, yeah, I remember. I could remember that. Say, um, of course, let's say the apocalypse war as a standout story that should be mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a case of um, for Truck trucking code. Then you would remember things like say um, blue or log jack or something like that. You know, so I knew I I could really remember those stories and say yeah, that those were you know standouts. And then obviously in terms of how important they are and say that that uh, entries timeline, if you like, um, then some of those would be mentioned as well. So obviously say something like Nikolai Dante have uh, such a huge running arc. And then obviously the very big. I don't know, practically everything in Nikolai Dante was um, a, quite a major going on, but you would sort of highlight the very big stories, you know, the our wars and things like that. So um, yeah, there's a mixture of sort of um, trying to pinpoint things that and also things that we say that are collected as well that um if someone reads about it in the encyclopedia then they should be able to find pick up them if it's available
0: okay and of course um as well as you know the your entries it's a beautiful looking book with art uh illustrating each character or story for all of the entries who did the art editing for it who selected all the images
1: um, I didn't have any kind of um, real input on that. Basically, I did 240,000 words of text. And, and then it was kind of like it's sort of um, the art and design was not really part of my remit, if you like. You know, Because basically, you know, I'm, I'm freelance on the project. I'm not a member of the staff or anything like that. Obviously, the words that I've submitted, you know, gives an indication of what sort of um, characters need to have illustrations with them. But I wasn't involved in the sort of, in the... Um, choosing all the images that go. I would say that would be all all the design staff at Rebellion on that. So I think they have three graphic designers who kind of think they were probably all had a hand in doing the serialised version. But On the collected edition, it was Oz Osborne who who was the designer on that and the editor on it was Olivia Hicks on the collected edition. Um, So obviously she would have worked with Matt to ensure that you had like um illustrations are the best mix of illustrations so that we maybe see as many different artists as possible providing images or else also presumably say the key artists that would that are maybe associated with um, specific characters and so on so really um, that whole side of things I wasn't particularly involved in and in some respects that that's probably a good thing because I'll get to see it as a reader myself you know what I mean Right. Um, (laughs) uh, which is is quite exciting you know and so which I actually quite like that side of it. So yeah, I never I never really had a sort of um a note to Matt saying you should have this specific image or whatever. I would say that's not really within my remit such. Although I'm sure I could have suggested things. Um but certainly as I said, sometimes my choices of say studies might, might um bring about an image, like image that i
0: and of course, there's also a new cover, the Stuart K. Moore's wraparound cover featuring loads of 2080 ca- um, characters. Um, many of us would have seen it already because it's been shared in all the various socials and so on. Uh, it's a splendid piece yes. to sort of, um, for your book, isn't it? Well, yeah,
1: absolutely. I, again, um, I, I wasn't involved in that at all, so it came as a nice... Pleasant surprise to me as well. <laughs> I think it's just part of the reasons is um, uh, when you're freelance, um, you submit your material, and I think especially on a project that is very solo like this one, uh, I wasn't really involved in any the kind of visuals. And, and maybe that would be different if I was a, a comic writer, you know, who works closely with an artist. You know, I'm sure they have kind of you know they are in contact with each other about things as so on, and obviously that was a different of um that didn't apply to me. That was a different kind of way of working. So uh yeah, I think the creative teams on on various strips and so on probably have more input together. Um I saw the podcast recently with Dan Abnett and um Mark Harrison uh talking about the out and obviously they work very closely together on a personal level. So I yeah I didn't actually have that side of things. Um, and also, I didn't know about um, Stuart's cover. I mean, don't know. I probably could have asked Matt, but I think um, he has a lot on his plate. So he's, he's, he doesn't really have time to sort of uh, answer your little emails about, oh, who's doing the cover? Um, you know, what's it like? So I just kind of left left alone there. And at um, the time that it was, it was like lockdown. I'm sure he has uh, kids to home school. So, um, he's, he's published in 2008. 2018 magazine and all the other stuff from home basically until recently. So, um, you don't really have the time to sort of ask all that kind of stuff. So, it was a lovely surprise when I saw the cover as well. I thought, oh, that's tremendous. Um, and, I don't know him, but I've, as I said, I've just joined social media and so on. Um, so, I follow him on Twitter and I'm saying, oh, I love the cover. And so, I'm in contact with him over social media and uh, blown away by the cover. And it's nice to get to know these people, although you haven't met them and so on. And uh, yeah, I think his cover, cover is just really, really great. And I think what is good as well is it's, it's somehow managed to look what you'd expect from an which has got everyone on there, but it's just got a nice, sort of, nice dynamic, different sort of look to it as well. And, and of course, that's what every artist brings to the table. They bring a kind of, um, you know, their own style to it, and he's absolutely done that. I think he's done an amazing job on it
0: fantastic so we play this game on the podcast where we think about grail pages pieces of artwork from the books we're covering and imagine that um they're available and that we can afford them if you know we could offer you either Stuart's cover or one of the pieces used to illustrate one of your entries in the encyclopedia do you have an image or two that you would like to own in real life um
1: definitely Stuart's cover i would say uh, but I, I was thinking about grill Pages and so on. And um, I, I was thinking about, you know, again, some of the stuff from that era when I just got into it. I was so enthused, you know, um, by 2080. And I do you remember the cover of um, Prog 236, which is a wraparound cover by Brian Bolland. Right. The Mania cover. Uh, I would choose that. That's just like one of the... That was an amazing Brian Bolland piece. If I could have a short cover... Um, and also, I was thinking about, can I have Mitch a couple? Is that okay? Yeah, of course, please. Another one I fondly remember is 328, which was the dread cry of the werewolf, I am the law one. Yep. Uh, that's, that's by Steve Dillon, and uh, that's a classic. And yeah, probably some obvious choice. choices, but they're, they're so good, you know. And another one was uh, 340, which was um, it's a Nemesis Warlock wrapper and cover again by Kevin O'Neill. Great stuff. So i um, Absolutely, Stuart's cover would be number one. But if if I had other choices, then I think those would put the bill there.
0: Excellent. Well, we will grant you all of those covers, uh, including Stuart K. Moore's cover. Um, (laughs) You get them virtually in the art gallery and they become yours now, so uh, nobody else can pick them. Oh,
1: fantastic. Uh, Oh, 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 that's a shame no one else can pick them.
0: And I should say the encyclopedia is available in hardback for thirty nine ninety nine from the two thousand AD shop. Uh or there's a special slipcase edition with an A two poster of Stuart K. Moore's wraparound cover, which is currently fifty five pounds for the slipcase edition, uh, which yeah. looks very nice as well. And I'm I'm sort of waiting for my uh copy to turn up next week, hopefully.
1: Yeah, that's so <laughs> all Yeah. Uh, and- yeah, it's just, again, one of the the big reasons sort of being like freelance and so on, still sort of. Um, sometimes you still have to wait a little bit to get things through, and that's just the post as well. You know, sometimes the post can take longer to get things to you. So um, yeah, I look forward to seeing my my own copy.
0: Excellent. Sure. Thank you so much for. uh Telling me, you know, talking me through this huge project that you've completed. Uh, you mentioned some of your own writings. You say you've you've done some work for Commando over the years. Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I actually worked on the editorial team there for DC Thompson. Um, Worked there for about ten years, and before that, I'd worked on the Dandy on editorial there, uh, but also sort of um, freelance writing. Yeah, I've done. Oh, well, you're always trying to sort of, um, or I like to sort of try and enter different enter different markets and stuff like that and just try and not just, you know, not just um, specialise in the one area, although it's fine to do that as well. But, um, so anything from comics writing, things like that, some things like, uh, Bruns and the, the Scottish things for the Sunday Post, um, so scripting those and then doing things like uh, writing short stories for People's Friends or My Weekly, which um, is another good uh, discipline to work in a different market. Um, My own crime novella, um, which is called The Long Big Kiss of That It started off as a kind of like a spoof of things like Raymond Chandler and so on, and it sort of turned into a real crime novel somewhere along the way. And um, I also, just to sort of um, learn things, I did um, a little book of James Bond word word searches when to time with the new film coming out. And that was um, just to see if I could know how to use the Amazon KDP self-publishing platform so that was you know that was a good kind of um, exercise to try and do that and um so various things on the go and also uh, in the weekly prog at the moment um i'm doing uh, it's like one page articles which are like uh focusing on a, a year in the life of 2018 so it's, i'm still working on those at the moment uh, i don't know if you've seen those yet
0: yes they're on the back
1: page of the prog each week yeah, that's right. So I've done those as well. After I finished the Cyclopedia, I don't want to write things things with AD. so I, um, I I pitched that idea to Matt and um, he liked it. So I started working on those um, last summer. But I just basically, I do want a week, like the way they appear. And um, so I'm quite far ahead on those. Uh, I've got about maybe 50 minutes to do, so I'll still be working on those.
0: Uh, Throughout um, the first few months of this year. Excellent. So, more to come. And any other projects that you can tell us about at the moment, or is it mainly that for the prog?
1: Yeah, it's mainly that in the prog. Yeah, I don't have anything else uh, on the go at the moment. So, maybe once those are finished, um, maybe I can try some other ideas that I can maybe do. But I think, in terms of actual 2018 related things, I would say that would be it for the moment. Um, Because that's two sort of well, you know, two kind of variations on the theme there. The Encyclopedia, obviously, is the eight set, and the uh, whole cool things are sort of chronologically, so they're just like a lot of snapshots of in the life. And, um, and if people want to see more of that, then they, obviously they can say Full Power Overload. But yeah, but once I finish those, I think I'll probably, probably concentrate on trying to do my own kind of visual uh, things. If, uh, if Matt ever asks me to do something else, of course, I'll be glad to do it. We're all at
0: Tharg's disposal, if we if asked.
1: Yes, absolutely, yeah. If he asks you, you don't refuse, very much.
0: Scott, thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope everybody gets a copy of the encyclopedia for their shelves. It's going to become an invaluable resource for us all. It's going to be a great resource for this podcast when I'm doing I hope so. Yeah.
1: Yes, well, I hope so, and that's certainly what it's designed for. Is it's, um, I'm hoping maybe some new fans might come to it, and then it's like a, you have a, a nice sort of... Um, resource for them but I also hope that um, the diehard fans won't be disappointed by it and they'll find things that is of uh, interest and relevance to them as well so I'm kind of I'm hoping to please everyone with this but maybe it probably won't let's face it but uh, certainly the intention is there you know so I, I hope that, um, that people enjoy it and um, and um, I think they should get, get something from it absolutely yeah thank you
0: excellent get your copy
1: please do much appreciated
0: <laughs> And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Uh, as ever, find all the details, including links to Scott's work, at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and the 2008 forums, or email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And that will do us until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book. It's a goodbye from me and... It's good goodbye from me, Scott Montgomery. Thanks very much.
1: i wow.